Welcome to the Stream and Allison podcast, where we talk about news and why it's trending. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Warshavsky. And I'm Owen Clark. And today we are very lucky to have Lauren Lewis, who is a producer at KTLA in Los Angeles. She's here to tell us how to get a producer's attention, because for a lot of us in PR, that is our jobs. And what's the benefit of having a guest appear on a local station like KTLA? And pretty much just a really good insight into how newsrooms work. So Lauren, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My first question for you is is just one, can you give us a little background of like what type of producer are you? I think people don't realize there are so many in a newsroom. There are some that are are producing a 6 a.m. newscast. There's some that are producing a lifestyle show. So what is your role at KTLA? Yeah, uh, this is a little bit of a tough question. I have um, kind of a specific role there where I book produce uh, multiple different shows. So we have a statewide show that I oversee, and then we have a local show as well that I work on. And then we have another show that um, gets syndicated and picked up across all of our sister stations. So um, it depends upon the day, what I'm working on really. Uh, But yes, as you said, there are a lot of different producers in a newsroom. So knowing who, identifying who you're speaking with and what they're doing is helpful because if you're talking to someone who's working on the assignment desk, watching for breaking news, that's not gonna be helpful if you're trying to do a lifestyle segment. So a lot of different people. And you said something that I know because I'm deep in the weeds of the business, but most people wouldn't, but like that you're producing shows that are syndicated nationally. And I believe you said through Nexstar, correct? Correct. People have no idea what that means. Can you explain like Nexstar, right? So uh, my background, I went to University of Missouri, the Mizzou Journalism School. And so they have... um, an NBC affiliate there. And um, from there, I worked my way up to network. Now I'm at KTLA. So I kind of know everywhere in between super small local and network. Um, And so you have the networks, obviously. Those networks have O&Os in certain demos. There are different demos in different cities across the country. Uh, But not every NBC station is an O&O, which means owned and operated. So not every NBC station is owned and operated by NBC. Uh, Some of them could be owned by Nexstar. Some could be owned by other companies. You've got Scripps and Claire. So knowing the players and knowing who owns which stations is also really important when it comes to getting your story out and your image out. Uh, so for me, I, I work for Nexstar and um, yeah, we have what we call our sister stations. So essentially they're all owned by Nexstar. Um, they might be different logos. You know, some of our sister stations are Fox, some are NBC. We are CW, uh, but we disseminate all of our stories across platforms. And so, yeah, I've had stories I've worked on end up out on the East Coast. And then I hear from people like, oh my gosh, well, it's so weird. I saw you out here. So yeah, local news really isn't so local anymore. If you have a good catch and a good headline, you, you'll you definitely end up in other markets. Could you talk a little bit about what sort of, from your perspective, you're looking for? You know, When you're 
you don't mention every day is different. When you're going into creating a rundown for a show or looking for guests or topics, what are some of the first places you start? Uh, my, well, my inbox. So right now, <laughs> right now I have hundreds <laughs> of emails. So I need to look and see if um, anything has been pitched to me that's interesting that we want to book. Um, right now, there's a story that was trending that I was able to snag before the Today Show. And it was just this girl that posted on TikTok and went viral. I don't know if you saw, but she ordered holiday photos. Her family ordered holiday photos at CVS in San Francisco. They ended up getting Tom Brady's photos. And um, I got permission to air the story. And so just kind of looking at what's pulsing right now. What are people talking about? Um, but also looking ahead, you know, we have weather coming in this weekend. What is going to impact the most people? What do the most people care about? And let's talk about that inbox thing, right? That's fascinating. So like when you're going through it, I imagine, part of it's people you might already have relationships with, right? So people's mm -hmm. names, you know, to look for, but beyond... You guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, I guess what if it's not a contact you already have, what are some of the ways to get your attention? Is it the subject line? Is it the way it's phrased? Is it the topic? I'm sure it's a combination, but talk to us how what your vetting process is for an email from someone you don't already know. Um, it is the subject line. Um, if it's in all caps, I'll probably stop to actually read it. If it is a good um subject line, I will open it. Um, if I go a few hours without opening my email, I will get at least 200 emails. So, um, the most recent pitches we've gotten are, uh, one that really captured me to actually book, to have an in-studio guest was a personal story of a firefighter using the newly FDA approved, uh, weight loss drug called Zepbound. Everyone's talking about Ozempic. How is that changing the actual economy and our health? And so tying it to somebody who wasn't selling somebody, but really had a personal testimony was important. Um, and so we ended up booking him and he actually flew in from a different state just to be on our show. And it's a, it was a really powerful segment talking about the ups and the downs, the goods and the bads. And so that that's something that stands out that we did recently. I will be sending you a lot of emails after this. <laughs> <laughs> And so, so you're doing everything from like um, a lot of, it sounds like feature, feature stories, right? Like the TikTok trending or really like the um, firefighter who's taking the weight loss drugs. Do you ever do like um, business or crime or is that not your realm? Not, I mean, not necessarily pitching crime that. guests, but uh -huh. you know what I mean? <laughs> I work on a statewide political show okay. and then we, um, we do newsmakers. So we just had the LA mayor on discussing homelessness. I mean, it, it really, I think content is King. And, um, so there is no ruling things out to say, oh, well, it doesn't fit into this formula because people are talking about homelessness. So it doesn't really matter if we normally have a feature at this time, we were able to get the mayor in house. We just did that a couple of days ago. And so that's, that's important. And that, you know, kind of takes precedence over everything else. So again, the, the subject matter. <laughs> well, as I said, the subject matter and the guest, it sounds like partially, right? So obviously if you're an established political figure, uh, Tom Brady's level celebrity, that's one draw. But if you look at other, you know, the firefighter executives or regular people, what are some of the features and like the performance skills you look for in guests 
to book them and then put them on something that's so visual like TV? Being genuine. I have gotten at least 20 pitches in the past week of, you know, entrepreneurs, self-starters, CEOs. And I'm like, I just, I, you haven't made me care. And if I don't care, then I don't know how a viewer would care. What is your story? That's, I love that you're making millions of dollars, but what is it that I can tie into a story that's going to hook an audience and make them care about you? And so it's those genuine stories. Like, uh, we have a company that has, um, a new product that can, help clean the oceans. That's going to help everybody here in California. And so that's cool. They're making money. They got like a million dollar grant, but also they have a good story. And so it's not just about them making money. And so I think when you're pitching, you have to be cognizant of the, the greater good is, is more what we're looking for. <laughs> Sometimes I'm sure you have a repeat guest, right? What makes you go back to a guest? Is it because they're energetic or because they're an expert in the space? Is it because they did have good lighting in their remote setting and good sound? You know, why would you rebook a guest? Let's put that way or have them on your roster of people you'll continuously call. Yeah, we, uh, we, I can think of a few that we have that we're like, Oh, that's our expert. Um, <clears throat> we have people back when, uh, they're, they're really helpful to producers. So I'm not the expert in your subject matter, but I know that everyone. So for example, we had um, a veterinarian who's like a veterinarian to the stars in Hollywood. He's really good on TV and he's really good at breaking down that subject matter and explaining it to the viewer. Like, this is why you should care. This is actually really important. I can't necessarily get all of that in a script because I'm not a veterinarian, but I've seen headlines of this random dog illness going around and everyone loves to bring their dogs to, you know, restaurants in LA. So we should be talking about it. And, um, being able to connect with the viewer, but also help the producers work on that segment and being like, this is what should be in it because this is why it's important. And then of course, being good on air. <laughs> so owning that stage when you're there for those two to five minutes um, is really helpful. And can you talk a little bit about, I guess the impact the pandemic had on your process, right? Cause I, I think, you know, we've seen so many more remote interviews on news than we did six, seven years ago. Maybe that was starting beforehand, but I guess talk about how that shifted things and now how you approach having an interview be remote or trying to get somebody in studio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whenever I'm trying to book, I always say that we prefer in studio. I think that there is just, a magic that happens when you're in person that can't be recreated over Zoom, but um, it we aren't limited anymore. So, um, you know, recently we had James Comey on one of the shows that I produce for Nextstar, and he just couldn't make coming to LA work in his schedule, but we weren't limited to only having in person. So I am thankful for that remote option. Um, but it is, you know, we have a full email with really specific instructions, like have your lighting this way. Don't have light behind you. Make sure your camera is at eye level. And so it's a whole masterclass on how to just sit in front of your Zoom now, basically. <laughs> Which is what Owen and I try to co uh, teach clients in our media trainings. Is yeah, exactly I was going to say, is there like a number <laughs> one thing that drives you crazy, right? Like if you were to talk about the number one, like remote faux pas that people do. Um, 
Yes. Uh, when your camera is like below your face and you're looking down, that angle isn't going to work for anybody. Um, so I think having it as close to even as possible, like I wish mine were higher right now, but I couldn't make it work. Um, don't sit in front of your window. That's also never going to work for you. Um, and then the AirPod situation. I know you're wearing AirPods. You know what you're, you guys are professionals though. So it's a microphone there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not having them charged is the issue. Mm. So if you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. And then they die a minute in, it's a problem. So yeah, I think we need to add that to our playbook actually. Oh, and make sure you charge your, charge your devices, your, yeah. your devices. Use the hard, yeah. It when in doubt, use your hardwired because. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, I feel like people are catching on to Zoom, <laughs> getting hit yes. with it. <laughs> I think there's always those um, unexpected moments, though, like the Amazon driver and then the dog barking, <laughs> or you know, the kid walking in. Just things that we'll never be able to fully avoid as much as we try, but we do warn clients. We're like, if you have a very big interview, if if this is your you know, first, well, not even first, but anytime you're going on, you know, Fox business or something for the love of God, hire a babysitter, <laughs> like, you know, get the dog in daycare, please. You, you mentioned something via emails that was so interesting to me. Cause you said that you're not only just looking for great TV segments, but you're looking for something that will perform well in digital and also maybe a podcast too. What did you mean by that? I, I actually never even thought about, I always think about the digital aspect because everything is about what's trending, what gets clicks, but never thought about the podcast aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, one of the shows that I book for is also a podcast. It's TV and podcast. Uh, I actually, I'm going to promote it because we just won. We just played <laughs> second and third in a, the nas a national uh, press club awards uh, right behind John Stewart. So <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's that's when I say content is king. Um, I am thinking, can this person carry a 30 minute television interview and a one hour podcast? Um, will they be able to talk just riff when we get off TV for another 30 minutes for the podcast? And for the most part, we've had amazing people and they have stories to tell. They have incredible stories and they're stories that I haven't seen anywhere else. So I don't <clears throat> I don't. It doesn't matter to me that I work in local news. I just work in news. To me, it's news mm -hmm. and it's things, it's stories that I want people to hear. And I generally try to book stories um, that no one else is telling. And uh, so we we placed in awards for an episode. We interviewed MSNBC anchor Richard Louis, who had a documentary about how he actually had to go. Uh, part-time being a national anchor to become a full-time caretaker for his dad who had Alzheimer's. Mm. And this ended up helping push forward um, a bill through Congress to be signed by Biden to help get more funding for caretakers. There's a lot of people in America who, as boomers age, this is going to be a growing issue for all of us, uh, whether we like it or not. And so um, that's something I hadn't really seen talked about anywhere else. And it was just a joy to be able to share. But yeah, so that's something that was a TV show and a podcast. And then we also wrote a digital package for it as well. And so I just, you know, sometimes things are fun and it's a fun video to put on, on your Instagram, but I like looking at how is the whole, you know, whole package. And then we, a lot of times our digital articles get picked up by other outlets. So 
that's more exposure for us, which is great. I guess you sort of touched on this and it's kind of a big question, but what's the biggest thing that's changed in your job since you started? I mean, like that, is it the multi-platform? Is it the social? Is it the way information travels now nationally and locally? What are some of the big takeaways when you, if you look back versus now that feels different? That's such a good question. I'm sure you guys have answers too that I would love to hear. Um, for me personally, when I started um, in 2008 at a TV station, uh, social media was just starting. Like, do you remember Facebook? You had to have, be in college. And so Instagram was just food pictures. None of <laughs> it's hard to remember a world like that. But um, yeah, so everything travels at the speed of light. So I think personally, I double, triple down on sourcing and getting information correct. Like I'd rather be second to air, but correct at this point because uh, wrong moments live forever and they are just perpetuated by social media. So the social media aspect has changed it. Uh, but I do think um, we're so hyper connected like throughout the world. Um, so the good thing is that you can just work at a local station, but it's treated like, you know, national news sometimes if, if what you cover gets picked up and then you can get more stories out there, which is great, so. Yeah, I think we, we focus a lot on that. Yeah, we focus a lot on the negative aspects of social media information spread, but good news travels too, and, and stories can be shared or found in a way that they never could when all you could get your information was was listening to a police scanner and getting faxes or getting a random yeah. call from. It's just the world I lived in in news. So again, they're they're obviously positives, and I'm glad you, you brought. Yeah, definitely. Up. Yeah, I have to agree with the social media thing because when I started in news. Like Twitter, it was called Twitter then. We can even say that, right? That was like the thing you updated with breaking news. And now that's a whole nother podcast. But um, in Facebook, you had to have a Facebook page. I don't think, you know, now people, if you're on air still, if they go to your Instagram or your TikTok. And TikTok, if you're in, I don't, I feel like TikTok's still more of like a content creator-esque, but like Instagram, you're right. It used to be a food picture. Now, if you were at the scene of a crime, like it's the Instagram of the police tape and then it's the facts and then it's the link to your story. And you're also, you know, as you, I'm not sure if KTLA uses MMJs, but some of those people, they're also just shot their own story with their own camera and edited it in their car and then posted on social media. So the workload is increased and there's less people, but that also gives the opportunity for content to be shared because there are less people. Content is shared more widely now to fill shows, which, so it's like the, the good and the bad, right? Yeah. No, I think that's important, by the way, for your clients to know that um, when you're emailing, I mean, sometimes it might just be a few people in the newsroom. So it's not like we have hundreds of people staffing this newsroom at all times. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're all doing the best we can with what we've got right now in this kind of flux time in the industry. Well, it's a, it's a good note. And I know we're, we're running short on time, but I just want to ask any other, you know, if you're talking to a public relations person out there um, about getting stuff on your show, any other sort of advice you haven't covered yet or, or topics you think are really important for them to take away? Send me all of your things because <laughs> even if I say no to one, it might be yes to the next. But also if I say no, 
the producer next to me might say yes. And don't assume that everyone in that newsroom is communicating because we're not. We're all so busy and we're so tired. And there are some people I work with that I never see because of my crazy schedule. So I would just say bug us, especially if you believe in your story. Make sure that your subject line is what it, you know, is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I think we all want to tell the great stories um, and make sure your pitch does, you know, you're doing it justice. Sometimes they fall a little flat and I do not need um, just a couple lines. That's good. Mm, I, I preach a, that. So it's so I don't need a great novel. to have that validation. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. I was like, they're so busy. If you send five paragraphs, like they have, they, you've not. lost them. But if you send three <laughs> strong lines that say like, I have this interview at this time about this topic, like they have actually might read it and respond. <laughs> yeah. And I would just, uh, I want to say again, um, I think I told you before we started recording, but we are a feeder to a lot of national shows. We have national shows that watch us because of being in Hollywood and um, sharing a lot with Netflix. So I don't think looking down on local news helps anyone. I think if, if anyone ever thinks, oh, it's just local, it's not anymore because everything is hyper-connected. And we're all kind of watching what the other one's doing. Um, and it can always be used as good practice. Like this is how well they did here. This is what they can bring to your show. So that's what I got. <laughs> Lauren, that was just, it was so fascinating to hear from you. I even, as much as I think I am an expert, I definitely learned a lot from you um, in this short time, just about bugging different producers. Cause I'm often in the mindset of, oh, I already bugged once so they, and they said no, but it's good to know that, you know, maybe reach out to two or three because you are all on different shifts and working on different projects. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated it. And thank you so much for listening to this stream. You can listen to other episodes wherever you get your podcasts.